we're going to talk about something a little bit, a little bit uh, different. I kind of say that every week because I have an idea of what I want to talk about, and then God says, "Hey, actually, you should talk about this tonight." <laughs> but I guess it's always good just to uh, follow the voice of God in some of these, uh, some of these things, or all of these things. Um, let me see here. Why don't you guys go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and pray first, actually, before we get started. That's always a good thing for me while I get myself organized and <laughs> ready. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight, uh, for your word. God, we are so appreciative of the word of God that you've given us. Thank you for preserving this throughout all the thousands of years. God, people have tried to destroy this word, to change this word. God, but we know that your word can never change. And God, we know that you will always come through on your word. So thank you for the written word of God tonight. That we can stand on the promises that it has in there. God, that your word is good. That you're not a liar. That you're not going to deceive us. But God, when your word says that we have something, God, we believe that it's ours. So we thank you for that, God. We're very appreciative of you, God. We love you. Thank you for being a good father for always taking care of us, always supplying every need. God, even before we know that we need it, you always provide it. Thank you for being our healer, that you take care of our bodies, that you protect them. And God, as we align our faith with your power, God, that we receive the miracle that we believe for. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I heard a cool testimony. Um, if you guys are familiar with Bethel Church, they're a church up in Redding, California, which is kind of like northern woodsy California. They've been having um, very unusual miracles happening in their church services, um, specifically in the area of um, special needs, which is one thing that I really appreciate. Um, what's funny is the, the pastor, his name is Bill Johnson. One of his, his oldest son, I believe his name is Eric. Um, he struggles a little bit with the deafness. Um, so that's a funny thing to watch because, you know, he has obviously like a very real thing that, his, that he's fighting, you know. But he's seeing people healed of all different kinds of things. One of the nights he said that um, if, if anybody was standing in faith for someone that wasn't in the room, um, that he wanted them to call them out by name, call out their condition, and then text them and ask them to check uh, the, the thing that was happening with them. So there was one guy in the room, um, one of his friends, I think was in either New York or somewhere over on the East Coast, but it's, it's total opposite the end of the country. Um, so this guy texted his friend, and um, it was like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning because there's, like, there's a huge time difference between California and the East Coast. So um, the person had a child. I think the person, I think the kid was like 30 or something like that, 28 or 30. And uh, the kid had autism, had never spoken before, you know, it was just like very, very high on the autism scale. Um, and said, hey, we're standing in faith for so-and-so, let us know if he improves or anything like that. So the next morning, um, the, the mom wakes up to a text message on her phone from the person in California. And her son walks into the room and he's like, doesn't talk, right? Like, what do they call that? There's, there's a special word for it, though. Kara works with kids like that. Do you not? I just put you on the spot. I'm so sorry about that. Nonverbal. That's what it is. It's nonverbal. Um, so the kid walks into the room and says, Mom, I love you. And she's never heard her kid speak before. And he's like 28, 30 years old. And she has a text message from her friend out in California that says, hey, we've been praying for whatever the kid's name is. We're, gonna belie we're believing that God is going to heal this guy's autism. So... What, what God has been, again, challenging me with, and what I talked a little bit about last week, was are we setting our faith for the things that we haven't seen yet? Because for me, I know, and I've had spoken over my life and prophecy over my life that I'm going to see the dead raised. That's one thing that I push for. That's one thing that I want. I have a shirt that says raise the dead, right? You guys have seen it because I wear it here sometimes. It says cast out demons, cleanse the leper, heal the sick, raise the dead. Because, because I'm, I'm putting it on as in like this is me. This is who I am. And I can't, it's funny, it's funny because my boss came into my work the other night and I'm wearing that shirt because I just got out of prayer and healing school and he's kind of just standing over there just looking at it, just not really sure what to make of the fact that his manager is you know, wearing the shirt around in the restaurant, you know, there's other people and all that kind of stuff too. And, and it's funny because people don't really know how to respond to that kind of, that kind of thing right there. 
as in like, what does this shirt mean? Like cast out demons, what are you talking about? And then I can tell them stories about casting out demons out of people and how awesome it is to see the deliverance come where the person's eyes just like come back to and they can focus and they can think and speak for themselves because they're free. Because outside of Jesus, they don't have hope. They just have, they just have something to, to medicate themselves. They have darkness, that's all they have. But with the power of Jesus, he can set people free from anything. And one thing that I wanna start seeing more of is I wanna start seeing kids with Down syndrome get healed. I wanna see people with Down syndrome get healed. I want people with ADD and ADHD and, and on all these things, all these mental illnesses that have been just popping up out of nowhere. I wanna see those things start getting crushed by the power of Jesus. So that's one thing that I've been reaching for um, in my own prayer time and study time and, and seeking out um, as I can is finding people that I come across that are struggling with those things because Jesus can heal that because that's not God's original intent for them is to struggle and not know how to communicate verbally with somebody or to have they can't focus and they can't think and they can't remember anything that they read. That's not God's, that's not God's best for them. And Jesus' sacrifice is about you having an abundant life. That's what John 10, 10 says. And an abundant life isn't one where you can't focus and where you can't talk and where you can't communicate. Amen? So let's put our focus a little bit higher this week and, and, and realize when the Bible says that we can lay hands on the sick, we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover no matter what that is, right? And in, in, in spite of situations that come up to, that seem to disagree, we get, we get tangled up so often, and we talked about this week one, but I feel like God wants me to touch on this just for a second. We get so tangled up in the idea that God is just in control of everything that happens, and God's in control of this person dying and not that person dying. And God's in control of this war, and he caused this genocide, but he didn't, he didn't allow that genocide over there. Or God did this natural disaster, God caused 9-11, God caused Hurricane Katrina. I've heard all kinds of different crazy stuff. I heard, <laughs> when I was in college, I heard somebody say, somebody that was going to Rama Bible College with me, a third year student, say that 9-11 was because of Harry Potter books. During his sermon, during our preaching class, that Harry Potter books are what caused 9-11. And I'm in the back just like planting my face against the table, just going, pow, pow. What, 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 what are we doing? There's so much, listen, if it was because of a book that got written that God is just like, all right, now I'm going to kill a couple thousand people in the U.S., we'd have our population just cut in half. If that's the reason why God, like, God is just like sending terrorists over here to kill us all. This is crazy. People blame so much stuff on God that he doesn't even do. Right? And we have to remember and we have to keep our focus on God is good. God is true. God is a healer. Okay, but that's not what I experienced, Josh. But that's what the word of God says. And if I'm not experiencing what the word of God says, then I am doing something wrong. And so often we have trouble with that because we want to go, well, I'm doing my part. Are we doing our part? We said week two, faith works by love. Galatians 5. If my faith is not working, it's not on God's end. It's not God's fault. It's my fault. We talked about how we can know the will of God. Because what God told me a long time ago is I was studying the armor of God. Did you guys know that the armor, the armor that the Romans had in their armies is really interesting, right? Because it talks about like a belt. The belt is actually connected to every other piece of the armor. There was like a rope that ran from the belt back up top behind the neck to the helmet. So literally every single piece on the armor is connected to the belt. That literally holds the entire thing together. The belt is called truth. None of the rest of our armor works if, we're not, if we don't have tight truth around us. If I don't know the truth and I'm not secure in the truth, the rest of my armor is not going to work. I'll have stuff start falling off if I loosen up on the truth and if I don't have a firm grip on the truth. What God told me a long time ago is he said, the devil shoots flaming arrows at you, Josh. If he can't get you to drop your shield, he'll try to get you to turn around and run. So if the devil can't get me to drop my shield and let go of my faith, he'll try to make me run away. Because if I run away... And if I let go and if I surrender and if I quit, then he has free access to my entire weak area, my weak side. Roman soldiers would stand side to side, back to back. One Roman soldier, like for instance Dalton, I am Dalton's back armor. 
they would fight back to back. So I would go behind Dalton, and I would stand there and fight if the formation broke and if ranks broke. So he becomes my armor and I become his armor. That's why it's so important that we stand together and that we fight together on some of these things. Is because again, if we, drop, if we drop the shield, we run away, we're by ourselves, the devil can just have a heyday with us sometimes. So what God talked to me about while I was preparing for this is he talked to me about meditation. Um, and I know that we talk about meditation a lot, especially when it comes to prayer. But when it comes to healing, it's extremely important. We talked, and you guys have heard this before, so this might just be a really quick review. Meditation in the Hebrew culture means to mutter, all right? It also has like a little bit of context as far as like you think about something, you talk about something, and that's like the meditation. It's not like Eastern, like Far Eastern cultures where you just like, you sit on like your hands and knees and go, hum, and like you do, there's weird types of meditations out there, right? Like there's really, really weird stuff that happens. Meditate comes from the Hebrew word to speak or to mutter. So what happens is when we meditate the word of God, when we speak the word of God, it begins to affect us and it begins to change us, right? So if you'll turn to Psalm 1, we're going to start over here, and it's uh, one of my favorite psalms. I, I could preach 100 messages out of this verse just because I love Psalm chapter 1 so much. And I'm going to read it out of the New um, American Standard, as I always do, because that's my favorite Bible translation. <laughs> Not the passion. The passion's great, but you know me, honey. Psalm 1, verse 1. It says it like this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scoffers. Who your friends are is so important. The people that you listen to, the people that you associate with, the people that you walk with and sit with, it's extremely, extremely important. Because it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You don't listen to them and you don't take their advice on life because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. What happens when you meditate God's word day and night? Verse 3, one of my favorite verses. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, it prospers. You guys read that right. Whatever he does, it prospers. What is the criteria for all this? You meditate the word of God. You delight in the word of God, and you meditate day and night. You don't let this pass from in front of your sight. We're going to go to Joshua in a second, because I'm sure all of you thought of that verse. You meditate in the word day and night. Your tree firmly planted by streams of water. Water in the Old Testament a lot of times refers to the Holy Spirit, right? So we're planted, we're firm. We're not going to be shaken, right? Because we have the word of God, we have the truth. We know what we believe. We know why we believe it. So when winds come, when storms come, we're not going to be shaken. We're not going to be uprooted. It yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. That leaf not withering is talking about healing. One of the first signs of a sickness in a tree is its leaves start to die and its leaves start to wither. When I am meditating in the word of God, it will affect my physical body and it will keep healing flowing in my physical body if I am speaking the word of God over my life, right? And whatever he does, it prospers. I love that section of scripture. Turn back to Joshua chapter one for me because we have to hit this. This is the obligatory meditation verse. It's right after Deuteronomy, if you're not sure where that is. If you went to Judges, you went too far. I want you to see the connection between meditating and doing in this section of Scripture, because this is something that God highlighted to me. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Be strong and very courageous, and be careful to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. We have to see and understand in these scriptures, there is criteria where you will prosper and you will have success. What is the criteria for the prospering and the success right here? Meditate day and night so that you may do all that is written. We talked about it before. It's an, even all the way down to something as functional and as basic as salvation. In salvation, I am required to do something. I am required to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I don't do works to earn up enough points and then redeem that card and go up to heaven like the heaven like slot machine and just go ching, all right, I'm in the club. No, that's not what it is. It's not about me being good enough in my own works, but I have to do a work which is believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. It's the easiest possible way into this thing, right? So there is criteria, right? I meditate on the word of God day and night, as in I keep, my, I keep this thing in front of my eyes. I think about it, and I begin to speak it, and, and, and it becomes a part of me. Because you see what it says right here, right? It says you meditate on it day and night so that you do what is written in it. If I don't know what's in the word of God, if I'm not meditating the word of God, I won't know to do what's in it. Because if I don't know what to do, I won't do it. <laughs> Again, this is really basic stuff. But do you, guys see, do you guys see why this is important? This is foundational, right? It's just like one of my favorite Doug Jones quotes. You guys, you could probably quote it for me at this point, right? He says, the basic things of the word of God applied on a daily basis are what bring long-lasting growth in your life. The basic things of the word of God applied on a daily basis are what bring long-lasting growth in your life. It's the simple things. It's the getting back to an understanding of faith. Getting back to an understanding of the words that I'm speaking about healing, about the fact that God wants me to prosper. Getting back to the basics, the foundational things of the word of God so that you can do all that is written. Because when I do the word of God, then I prosper. That's what it says right there. And then I will have success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. I love that section of scripture right there. But you see that, that what you speak matters. What you think about and what you meditate on matters. Because eventually, your thoughts are going to come out your mouth. <laughs> and if it's not on good things, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. You don't have to turn to this one, but I think this is a good one. Uh, Proverbs 18.7, if you want to go there and mark it. Real quick, we're going to go rapid fire through some of these things real quick. Dalton's got his fancy little phone so he can jump there faster than I can. Proverbs 18.7 says it like this, talking about the words that you were speaking and the words that you were meditating. Proverbs 18.7, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are the snare of his soul. What does your translation say? Uh, a, fool ha a fool has a big mouth that only gets him into trouble, and he'll pay the price for what he says. That's good. That's why me and you, babe, we're a team. <laughs> a big mouth that always gets him into trouble. What are you meditating on? What are you speaking? And what are you letting in your thought life? What are you holding there? The message you said says their soul is crushed by their words. That's good stuff too. Proverbs 12 says this. Proverbs 12, 18. And this is an important one to what we're studying tonight. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Your words can hurt other people, or your words can bring healing to them. The words of the wise, or the tongue of the wise, brings healing. I want my tongue to be wise, because the book of James talks about the tongue, and about how much trouble you can get in real quick with your tongue. <laughs> it's not good. And then uh, one page back real quick, Proverbs 10:11 says this. Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 10, 11. 
The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Really important scriptures to understand. Go to Proverbs 4.20. Proverbs 4.20. This is a familiar section of scripture, but we're going to read it anyways. Because I want to convince you and I want to show you again one more time that the words that you're speaking, that's the one thing that God has been pushing so hard in healing school this year. The words that you are speaking will either help you or they will hurt you. Proverbs 4.20 says this. My son or daughter, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings and do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, what is they? Those are his words. Those words are life to those who find them and health to all of his body. They are life to those who find them and health to all of his body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The words that you pay attention to and the words that you meditate on, that's what's going to begin to grow in your heart. And if you're not careful, your heart will carry seed that it's not supposed to. It will carry weeds. And those things have to be pulled out, right? Your heart has to be carrying good seed. The good seed is the word of God. So what does it look like to meditate a verse? Because here's the deal. I had, um, actually, it was a week ago today. A week ago today. There's a saying that um, my teacher, Leanne Sosby, used to say in prayer and healing school that I think uh, <laughs> has really stuck with me. She said, lack of words or the wrong words could kill you. And I was like, that's an awfully extreme thing to say, Leanne. Lack of words or the wrong words can kill you. I was like, wow, I don't, I don't know what I think about that. That's just, that's really, that's like zero to 100 right there. But it's true. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. A week ago, tonight, I was in excruciating pain. It was the 4th of July. Um, basically, what happened was, I through my own stupidity, because I was not taking care of my body, I was not sleeping, and I was not drinking water, and got extremely severely dehydrated, I, uh, I was cooking in front of the grill out in the 90-degree heat, not drinking any water, and I started to feel really, really not good. So, like, my head started splitting open, and I felt sick to my stomach, like I was going to throw up and getting, like, cold sweats and stuff like that. And I'm out there just not being smart at all, <laughs> not being smart at all. Um, and sickness started attacking me last week, right? And... Um, what happened was I actually went back inside and I started sleeping and I, I started drinking a little bit of water. I wasn't sure what was going on. I was like, this foul thing, get off me in Jesus' name. And God's over here just like, drink water, drink water, drink water, drink water. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Just because sometimes we need to just shut up for a minute and just let God speak to us and God talk to us. All right, Papa Hagen always used to say it like this. Like, don't be mad if you get sick when you go outside in the rain without a raincoat. <laughs> it's like, use your brain, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? So, I, and Papa Hagen had some great wisdom when it comes to that. It, it was, you got to use, you know, God gave you a brain for a reason. <laughs> Drink water, all right? So, what happened was, is I was just, I was really struggling with the sickness last week. And um, I'm laying back in my recliner, and this is, again, like, I'm just getting worse and worse and worse. And I have to go into work in a little while. And I missed a party that I was supposed to go to, and I'm not getting able to hang out with my friends and I'm, I'm laid up in my chair just going, uh, just kill me now, uh, being super dramatic about it. And, you know, I, I don't handle being, handle sickness all that well physically, let's just say. My wife is a trooper. She'll just be like, yeah, I'm fine. And she's like lost an arm and <laughs> her legs hanging off. And, she, you know, my uh, props to my wife because she's got a high pain tolerance. I don't because I don't really get sick very often anymore. And, uh, that's, and that's just the truth, is I just don't really get sick that often. And if I do, it's not for very long. So this one was happening, and I was like, oh, what's going on? So I started drinking water. I go into work, and then I come back home like 45 minutes later, and I'm just feeling defeated because I'm, you know, I am just like, what's going on? Like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing wrong, God? And then I lay down, and I slept, I think, total probably 18 hours in like that span right there where like I first started getting sick. And then I slept like all the way up until like 8 or 9 o'clock the next morning, right? 
so what happened was, is the whole time that this was going on, I was speaking the word of God over my body, right? And um, it was, it, I can honestly tell you, it felt like a, a tug of war match between like that little voice in my head that's going, you've lost. You can't even believe for that person. You can't believe for yourself. You're gonna lose this too. You're not gonna be able to go to work. You know, you're letting everybody down. Look at all those people that see that you're sick. Man, you teach healing school. <laughs> and that, I'm just being real. I'm just being real. This just happens to me. Because again, like, well, don't you pray for the sick? How come you're sick? It's like, because the devil attacks everybody, all right? And sometimes I'm just plain stupid, which is why I was sick this time, because I got dehydrated and wasn't taking care of my body. So <laughs> what happened was is I was speaking the word of God over my body. And again, it was like a tug of war match that was happening, right? But what I decided, I had to decide part of the way through. Because, again, this is something that God just reminds me of when I'm in the midst of this. As he's telling me, hey, drink water, you need to rest, just take it easy, right? Let your body recuperate. And I'm just like, God, I want instantaneous manifestation. I want blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, but you wrecked your body, okay? So give me a minute just to let this work. So I'm over here just like speaking and confessing the word. And the whole time, this thing is coming up, like this thing is coming out about, well, you're not healed, you're not healed. And trying to get me to start talking negative about the situation, start trying to get me to meditate. Well, why am I not healed? God, why aren't you healing me? God, why am I still sick? God, why am I, whatever. If I believe the word of God, then I believe 1 Peter 2.24, which says, by his stripes, I was healed, right? Regardless of whether I was stupid about it or not, God still has grace and God has mercy for me, right? So the temptation there was to meditate on one of these two things, all right? And this is really important for when you have some kind of a trial or some kind of a thing hit your life, right? Whether you caused it or not, because thank God that he has mercy on us when we do something stupid and hurt ourselves, right? So I'm having like this, this tug of war match back and forth between, well, I'm sick, well, I'm healed, well, I'm sick, well, I'm healed. And I decided I'm going to go to work because a healed person goes to work. And then I'm in work in 45 minutes in the bathroom trying not to throw up. I'm like, well, that didn't, that wasn't, that wasn't good. I'm going home. <laughs> so go back home, start pounding the water, have an awful night's sleep, and wake up in the next morning, and I'm actually feeling pretty good. And it was about the span of like, it was less than 24 hours. Again, it was like, I think like 18 hours total because I slept like, I slept the entire time pretty much, but it was a little bit before and a little bit after, all right, that I was having this attack come against my body. The entire time I noticed this is that the devil was trying to get me to meditate on the wrong thing because if he can get me, if he can hit me with something, right, because that's the thing. Again, lower your shield or turn around and run away. What is your shield? Your shield is the shield of faith. So if he can get me to lower my faith, to stop, to stop putting my faith up and saying no more, this is done, if he can get something, if he can get an arrow past, because I'm not paying attention, all of a sudden it hits me, and then I fling that shield up, and I'm like, all right, no more. You're not going to take this any further than it, than it already is. If he can get me to drop that again, then he can start having a heyday with me. But I'm not going to open up my mouth and start destroying myself. Right? Do you guys know that what the, uh, what the sword of the spirit, one of the references of that actually is in the Roman army? They would have this little dagger, all right? And what they would use it for is, like, in close hand-to-hand -hand combat, what they would do is, like, if I'm really close to Dalton, because, like, a spear at this point isn't going to really work that great, or, like, a long sword. So if I have a dagger, I'd take that out in, like, short, like, hand-to-hand -hand combat, and I can fight with that up-close personal battle. But what I didn't realize, and what somebody actually taught me about this, is there's another reason that they had a dagger. The dagger, the, the sword of the spirit is the word of God, right? So I want you to, under, I want you to picture this, right? The sword, the dagger that we're talking about, is the word of God. Anytime that an arrow would get past the Roman soldier's shield and hit them, they would use the sword to dig out the arrowhead. So think about it. The arrows that, don't, that the shield doesn't catch, any arrows that get past, they would take the sword after the battle and dig out the arrowhead. The word of God is what we use to dig out the arrowheads of the enemies that make the enemy that makes it past our faith shield. The word of God is what we use to surgically begin to remove that thing out of us and just throw that thing away and get rid of it. So anytime the devil hits you with something, what he's trying to do is trying to make you lower your shield and lower your faith as in, well, how am I still struggling with this? How am I still how am I still feeling symptoms of sickness? Keep your shield up. Get in the word of God and begin to meditate the word of God. What I was doing, while I, every time I woke up, I am the healed of the Lord. 
I thank you, Father, that I am that you um, you sent your word and healed me. I thank you, Father, that you've restored me to health and you've healed me of all my wounds. As as I'm fighting the sickness, I'm taking that thing and I'm digging that thing out of me the whole time. I'm not stabbing myself with the sword. I'm digging that thing out of me, right? Because any attack that gets through your shield, you take the word of God and you begin to surgically remove that thing from your life. Is poverty kidding you? Because you let your shield down for a second? Get into the scripture. I have not seen the righteous lack for bread. I have not seen their descendants begging for bread. My God shall supply all my needs to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I have all things that I need because I'm in covenant with God. And everything that he has is mine because of covenant. Right? I am blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. Everything I do prospers. Right? Because I'm meditating the word of God. If your faith is feeling weak in that area, and if something is hitting you in that area, get the word out, get the sword out, and dig that thing out. Because you don't want to let that thing fester and cause an infection and cause a wound, right? Because that's what will happen, is if we start losing a battle in some of these areas, the devil just wants that little arrowhead and that thing, that dart, just to stick in there and then start to infect you. Because infection doesn't just hurt the one spot, it hurts your entire body. Once the infection gets into the bloodstream, then it can start shutting down other things. So if you let that thing sit too long, I promise you it will start to affect other areas of your faith. Because, well, if I can't trust God for healing, I can't trust God for finances. If I can't trust God for finances, I can't trust God for direction. I can't trust God that I hear his voice. Do you see the vicious cycle that happens? That's why anytime this thing happens, you've got to get in the word immediately. I'm like, I had to repent. I'm like, God, that was stupid. That was silly. I shouldn't have let the devil hit me like that. I shouldn't have done that to my own body. But this stops here. We're going to win this thing together. We're not going to let this thing take us down. And that's the attitude that you have to get. Kenneth Hagin um, Jr., the head of Rama, has a quote that's attributed to him. And that quote has been one of my life mantras ever since 2011 when I first went to Rama. It says, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. That is the attitude that we have to have when it comes to healing. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. The only way that we lose as Christians is if we quit, is if we stop speaking, stop meditating the word of God, that I am the healed of the Lord, that I am restored to health and healed of my wounds. And I will not forget his benefits because he heals all of my diseases. By his stripes, I was healed, right? All of those things, that's the thing that I use to attack the enemy. And that's the thing that I use to get that stuff out of my body. Amen. I ran across a funny verse, too, because God was talking to me about how Jesus defeated the devil, and he defeated the devil with the word, right? We know that when he went into the desert, is it, if, you know, if you are the son of God, and then Jesus is like, it is written. If you are the son of God, it is written. If you are the son of God, it is written. Every single time, he fought with the word. There's a random verse in Jude 9, which talks about Michael the archangel, like, disputing with the devil over the body of Moses. And I was reading through it and I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, if you understand the history of the book of Jude, the book of Jude and the book of James were almost not added to the Bible because of the stuff that was in there. And the people like really had a big disagreement about whether or not it should be in there. They added them in there, but some books weren't. And part of the reason why is because Jude 9 is actually taken from the Apocrypha, which is like extra, bib extra biblical books which has like other information. That's a story for a different time. It's books that were not added to the Bible, right? Whether because of their authorship or not. But this is added to the Bible. You see Michael the archangel actually talked about in Jude chapter nine when he is disputing with the devil. And it says something really interesting there that God highlighted to me. Because when it comes to Jude, let's be honest, we kind of just read chapter 20 and pretend nothing else exists. Or verse 20, sorry, which is we build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, right? That's kind of just the verse that everybody knows in Jude. But verse 9 says this, But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. That's interesting. The angel fought the same exact way. And that tells you about something about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is about words. The things that we speak. Michael, it says, didn't bring some kind of an accusation against the devil, but said, the Lord rebuke you. He brought God's name into the situation. Brought God's authority, brought God's power into the situation. 
That's a really interesting section because we fight the same exact way. I don't have to bring some kind of a huge accusation against the devil. Devil, you're condemned and you're blah, blah, blah. All I have to do is the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And I don't have to say it specifically in those words, but I use the word of God against the devil to defeat him every single time. And that was just a funny little verse that God threw at me and say, hey, check that out, right? While we're meditating the word, I want you to understand something because we're going to meditate scripture here in a second and I'm going to, we're going to all practice it together and we're going to do it. Go to James chapter one because anytime you're talking about faith and talking about meditation, you kind of have to address this section of scripture. It's right after the book of Hebrews, James chapter one. A really great book, a really, really tough read. I'm always really challenged whenever I read the book of James. But it's good, though. James 1, starting at verse 5. James 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for one who doubts is like the surf of the ocean, driven and tossed by winds. That man should not expect that he will receive anything from God, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. The word double-minded right there in the Greek means completely separate. Completely separate. Or to withdraw from, to oppose, discriminate, or to hesitate. So literally, it says this. Uh, double-minded. For that man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being completely separate, thoroughly separate, withdrawn from, opposed to, or hesitant, unstable in all his ways. When we are speaking the word of God, it is so important that we have one mind about this. Because double-minded talks about two different mindsets, right? You have the mindset of the world, and you have the mindset of God. And you have to decide which one are you going to have. Because if you're double-minded, if you're double-minded on certain parts of the scripture, your faith isn't going to work. You have to have some kind of secure foundation, a belief that what I'm doing is actually going to work. The, the blood of Jesus actually heals me. The blood of Jesus actually forgives me. The blood of Jesus actually took care of every single thing that I could ever need. God actually loves me. God doesn't just love me, God likes me. God doesn't get frustrated with me and go, look at that loser, he just messed up again. Can you believe this guy? Let me give you an example of that. You know how it says in verse 5, he will give generously without reproach? God gives generously and doesn't give it after us for asking for something. Do you know the word reproach there in the Greek? I'm sorry I'm getting into the Greek so much, but this is just important. The word Greek there means to humiliate or to chide. So in, it, let's say Dalton asks God for wisdom, right? Because that's what the verse says. God's not going to go, wow, you really need, I really, really, are you that dumb? Really? You need wisdom? Really? I thought I made you smarter than that. Come on now. Really? God's not going to do that. God's going to go, absolutely. Thank you for asking for that. I'm going to give to you more, like, you, you just want a little bit of wisdom? I'm going to dump a bucket load of wisdom on you. Because says he gives generously. When I'm believing for something, when I am working on my faith on something, God's not there going, what are you doing? Why are you being so dumb about this? God's going, yeah, yeah, here's some more. Why? Because he's not disappointed with us. He's, he loves us. He loves us because we're his kids. He's proud of us. Amen. We're going to meditate a scripture. And I want you guys to, uh, which one should we do? There's so many good ones on here. So many good ones. Go to Colossians 1. This has been one of my favorite books to read right now. Go to Colossians 1.9. We're all going to meditate the word of God tonight, and we're going to start to see some things. Colossians 1. You guys have heard of the Ephesians prayers, maybe. There's also a Colossians and a Philippian prayer. The Colossian prayer is one of my favorites. The Ephesians prayer is, you know, about, like, how we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of understanding would be enlightened. If you don't know it, ask me after class, and I can give you the references for it. They're great prayers to pray over yourself. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. I will read this first for you real quick. It says, For this reason also, since the day that we have heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, and that you would please him in all respects, 
bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, that you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So I'm going to show you how I meditate that real quick. Because again, we're talking about this, but now I want to give you a practical application for how you would meditate this. What I do is I'm going to speak it, and I'm going to put myself into it. And this can seem a little awkward the first couple times you do it, all right? But I promise nobody's going to be judging you here when you say this. So Colossians 1, verse 9. I thank you, Father, that you have filled me with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that I walk in a manner worthy of you and that I please you in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you. God, you strengthened me with all power according to your glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience. I joyously give thanks to you because you have qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Because God, you rescued me from the domain of darkness and you transferred me to the kingdom of your beloved son in whom I have redemption, the forgiveness of my sins. That's how you meditate the word of God. You take yourself and you throw yourself into the scripture, right? We're going to do this one and then we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians because 1 Corinthians 13 has a section that we all need to be meditating daily. <laughs> and I'm sure you're probably not going to wonder which section we're going to there. So I want you guys to repeat after me and say it with this. We're going to meditate this. I thank you, God, that you have filled me with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that I walk in a manner worthy of you, that I please you, that I please you in all respects, that I bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of you. I am strengthened with all power. I am strengthened with all power. According to your glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. And I joyously give thanks to you, who has, you have qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints. For you rescued me from the domain of darkness, and you transferred me to the kingdom of your Son, in whom I have redemption, the forgiveness of my sins. That just makes it tickle a little bit inside, doesn't it? Like, man, that gets me a little bit happy. I'm about to start preaching something like that. That's a great one. I love it. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. And obviously, it'll probably fall open. You have it highlighted. You have it memorized. It needs no introduction. It's the marriage scripture. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. And it's every wedding and every wedding that I've ever done, which is only one wedding, I've used this verse. So yeah, it's great. First Corinthians 13. What I do here is because, listen, this is what the word of God says, that I am created in the image of God. God's image is love, right? That's who God is. That's, not, that's beyond his image, really. God is love, personified. So any point in here that you see love, you can put God's name. So this is what helped me understand the character of God. I took 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and put God's name instead of love. God is patient. God is kind. God is not jealous. God does not brag and is not arrogant. He does not act unbecomingly. God doesn't seek his own. He's not provoked. He doesn't take into account a suffered wrong. He doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. And I got this understanding of God based off of this right here, because this is a description of love, and God is love. But since I'm created in the image of God, I am also this right here. So what I started doing, and I talked about this on Facebook, actually, because one of my teachers, Karen Jensen, asked about meditating, and this is what I was meditating. It says, love is patient. So I go, I am patient, and I am kind. I am not jealous. I do not brag. I am not arrogant. I do not act unbecomingly. I do not seek my own. I am not provoked. Do you guys see, like, see where we're going with this? We're going to put our name in there instead, or put I in there instead, because this is such an important section of scripture for us to understand, all right? 
I'm going to grab a different translation real quick. I'm going to see if I can find the Amplified, because I really like the way the Amplified reads in this one. All right, here we go. So I want you guys to repeat this after me, all right? But here's the thing. Mix it with faith. This is who you are, right? I endure patiently. I am kind and thoughtful. I am not jealous or envious. I do not brag. I do not brag. <laughs> I am not proud or arrogant. I am not rude. I am not self-seeking. I am not provoked or overly sensitive or easily angered. Whew, some of those are just hitting me like a ton of bricks right now. I do not take into account a suffered wrong. I do not rejoice at injustice, but I rejoice with the truth. I bear up under all things regardless of what comes. I believe all things. I look for the best in every person. I hope for all things. I remain steadfast during difficult times. And I endure all things without weakening. I never fail. I never fail. I never fail. This is so important because if we don't start meditating the word of God and start taking this and identifying ourselves as this, we're going to let the world, our situation, our feelings tell us who we are rather than the word of God. And that's what makes us double-minded is if I start listening to the world, but I'm also reading the word of God and I'm not shutting out the things that the world is telling me. I'm taking in, well, you're just this way. You're just that way. You know, maybe, you know, we see people struggling with it all the time. Well, maybe you're a girl. I, I get it's a sensitive subject. Maybe you're a girl. Maybe you're a guy. Maybe you're neither, right? As opposed to what the word of God says, right? I'm not trying to step on any toes, but if they got stepped on, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. God has so much better. God has so much better. And I love those people, all right? The ones that are the ones that are dealing with that, you know, all the people. We just had, is, is, was it June Pride Month? Yeah, I think it was. Was June Pride Month? I think it was Pride Month where, like, it was, like, LGBTQ plus, like, you know, gay and lesbian. And, like, it's a Pride Month where, you know, all that kind of stuff. Listen, God loves all of them, all right? That doesn't mean that what they're doing is okay, what they're doing is acceptable. But I have homosexual coworkers. We need to see them the way that God sees them, which is a target for his love, not a target for picketing and signs spewing hate that they're going to hell and that they're going to burn forever because that's not okay. If we really understand the Bible, we would understand that God views all sin the exact same. Even if yours is more pronounced than mine, my sin's still just as bad. Amen? So that will help us when we talk, when we talk about uh, or talk to minister to people that are uh, in that kind of a situation. But anyways, back to meditating. I am patient, and I am kind. I am thoughtful. I am not jealous or envious. I do not brag, and I'm not proud. I'm not arrogant. I would challenge you for the rest of this week, until we hit prayer and healing school next week, I want you to meditate this verse every morning. And I want you to put I in that verse. And I want you to meditate it as many times throughout the day as you can think of. Why? Because the word of God will cause a change in your life. We're transformed, the Bible says, by the renewing of our mind. And this is how you renew your mind right here. You change the way you think. You change the way you see yourself. And I see myself the way God sees me, right? So find sections of, of uh, scripture that God has for you. One of the ones he has me meditate fairly frequently is I am quick to listen. I am slow to speak. And I am slow to become angry. Josh is quick to listen. Josh is slow to speak, which is a real struggle for me. And Josh is slow to become angry. Josh is quick to listen. Josh is slow to speak. And Josh is slow to become, super slow to become angry. Super, super slow to, be, to become angry. But it's made an improvement in my life. I don't get mad nearly as much as I used to. 
I still speak a little bit more than I should sometimes, but God's working that out of me as well. <laughs> and if you notice, God highlights something. Like again, God, like in, like in that love section, it doesn't take account of a suffered wrong. If you realize, man, that's been me. I've been taking a lot of account of a suffered wrong. Ask God to help you fix it. And then the other thing, meditate healing scriptures. Jeremiah 30, 17. Psalm 103. You know, the First Peter 2, 24. The scriptures all over the Bible. Take those things, meditate them. Right? Get, the, get your foundation set. Get your shield up so that you're not going to be surprised. Right? And then listen to the Holy Ghost. When he tells you to drink water, please do me a favor. Do it for my sake. Please drink water. <laughs> Next week, we're going to have healing school and prayer school again. Um, we're going, getting through July. Um, if you guys have any prayer requests, um, feel free to come forward and let me know. Uh, if, you, um, if you're not my friend on Facebook, feel free to add me. And if you have a, a prayer request or something throughout the week, go ahead and do that. Or uh, message our Facebook page for Holy Fire Ministries, which soon to be incorporated. Praise the Lord. It's been a long time coming, but we're, we're getting there. I can almost taste it now. So, <laughs> Anyways, I thank you, Father, for uh, your grace and mercy on everyone tonight as we drive home. God, I ask you specifically tonight that you would give someone, uh, that you would give everyone in this room someone this week that needs a touch from you in their body. God, that they can practice the things that they've been learning. God, that when they encounter someone who is sick, God, that they would not walk away, but God, that they would know what the word of God says, that when believers lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And God, you're not expecting some kind of huge three-point sermon. God, you just want faith. And you just want us to lay hands on that person and speak, in Jesus' name, be healed. Something as simple as that. God, I ask that you would bring multiple people across every single one of our paths that we can minister healing power to. And God, that we would have confidence that when we do it, that we're not the ones doing it, God, but your power is backing us up. That your power is going to touch their body the second that we lay our hands on them and that they will be healed. Whether that's an instantaneous thing or they're healed as they walk away, God, I thank you that it will happen. Because, God, your power is greater than the enemy. So we thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for teaching us about meditating the word. And, God, we will do what your word says. We will speak your word, and I thank you that we will be changed as we speak your word. In Jesus' name.